So I, I was, well, I was intrigued, and they said, honestly, carols by laser light. But I said, I think carols by laser light is much more going back to the original church. Now, when the, when the angels appeared to, the, to, to those shepherds up on a hillside, I'm guessing it wasn't just a few candles. It says, you know, the whole sky was filled with... So that's kind of the look I'm going for. Okay, I haven't convinced all of you, I can see. Just to say, if you are newish to the church, there are these really exciting blue... What, what do we call them? Pink. Did I say blue? Sorry. It's been a long week. If you want to go to Disneyland, don't go for a holiday, because you come back exhausted. Um, pink forms, uh, and uh, they're really exciting, because you can fill them in, and then you can do this. Oh, so exciting. And you get to keep the bit that tells you stuff, emails and things. And this bit, which hopefully you will have filled in, if, uh, which yeah, tells us about yourself, you can then go and put that in the font, that there's a basket, uh, which we collect. And that means we can contact you, we can send you some inf- in- information about the church, if that would be helpful. You can put on there that you'd love to have a coffee with some of the team, or interested life hubs, or whatever you want to. Put, fill that in. Where are these, Mary? Okay. So next door in the hall, there's some. Grab some before you go. Um, But that's that. Great. Um, As I've said, it's wonderful to welcome uh, Alan here, here with Tat. It's great to have you both here. Lovely to welcome you to the church. Let's give these guys a round of applause. Many of you, many of you will know um, my heart for what it means to be one church in a city and unity and my background, coming from a, a whole range of different churches, grew up in a Baptist church. Uh, father was a deacon, went to United Reformed Church for a while, and kind of real vicar of Dibley Anglican Church, and then joined a New Frontiers church, swinging from the chandeliers, non-kind of denominational church, and uh, then was church planting in Bristol, all sorts of things before God strangely calling me back to the Anglican church. So I'm excited that we can join as church and increasingly explore what God might be doing in Widcombe for us as two churches within the parish, but also two churches within a hundred yards of each other. Uh, Two churches, but one family, part of the same family. And I'm really committed to that. And we are, so it's wonderful to be able to invite Alan, uh, who's been part of that church family for quite a while with Tat, to just be able to come and speak tonight. So I'm going to invite him up uh, and I'm going to pray for him. And then I think Mary's going to come and read tonight's scripture. Let's just pray for Alan. Father, I want to thank you for this man. Thank you for his life and ministry. Thank you for him and Tats and all that you've done in uh, and through them. Lord, for their marriage, for their friendship, for their service and their pursuits of you. Lord, I thank you that they're God chasers who have run after you, having discovered that you'd been running after them and reached out and found them and loved them. So I pray, Father, for your blessing on Alan tonight. And Lord, as he speaks to us, would you give us ears to hear what the Spirit's saying to us? Challenge us, encourage us, inspire us, and move us closer to you, Father. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. Great. Mary. I have known Alan... I have known Alan for a very long time and he really is, together with Tat, a God chaser, um, someone who seeks God's will in his life and it's such a joy to have them with us tonight. I'm really looking forward to hearing from him again. 
The passage he's going to be speaking from is one in our One Another series, and this one is from James chapter 5, verses 13 to 18, and it's entitled, in the version that I'm going to read it in, The Power of Prayer. I'm reading it from the New Living Translation. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then, when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Thank you very much. Are we switched on still? I've got to be closer. Yeah, a bit closer. Can you hear me okay? I'm not used to this. Thank you for the invitation. It's, it's wonderful to have a chance to, to express that unity that Tim has been talking of, his vision for, for the city and for Whitcomb, and to be here to represent uh, that, that link from Whitcomb Baptist Church is a great privilege. This passage... This series, the one another series, it's really quite inspiring. There are consistent commands that you're following through in this series, all reflecting us being God's children. A family should demonstrate mutual love, commitment, submission, and as Mary prayed pre-service, it's reflected in the Godhead, the relationships within the Godhead. Is that better now? But the other, the one is pray for one another. Now, when I look at Paul's letters, fairly consistently he fills with his confirmation that he's been praying for other people and his requests for prayer for himself. And it's a two-way. So there's the work to which we are called. There's the growth spiritually which we all need and the strength to stand against the pressures of life. This much is indisputable. And this is very much the pattern we see throughout Paul's letters. But when I came to the actual link, the reference that is linked to this series, it was in James. And so I want to talk a little bit about is the context, because it's slightly different in James. And the context is vital. My, my wife um, has a great habit when we sit down to watch a DVD at night of falling asleep, then waking up and saying, who's that? What's he doing? Who's he talking? Why is he angry with that woman? Because context matters. So if we look very much at James, if you think about what we had there, 
The actual core verse there in which we find the pray for each other is confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Why does James tie in confessing to another with praying for one another? What about this expectation of healing? And it's interesting on the confessing I didn't notice confess your sins to one another as one of the sermon series. But it is one of the one another's in scripture. Then you look wider in the letter, not just those immediate ver- that immediate verse. If you look wider, it's strange, this letter. Because if you read it through, first of all he starts with suffering. And then he moves on to sin. And he looks at various things that we do wrong in the church, that the early church were doing wrong. Prejudice, favoritism, cruel words, loose tongue, all manner of things. And then finally, as we come to this passage, we've got sickness. So if you trace James through, suffering, nice little alliteration, suffering, sin, sickness. And in that context, we get to pray for one another. So we must strongly encourage, as I started, Paul's pattern, Paul's emphasis, which is praying for your, for your walk, for your walk, for your work, for your witness. But in James, it's praying for one another in the context of suffering, sin, and sickness. Now, suffering, sin, and sickness can be misunderstood. One thing which is how suffering, sin and sickness in particular relates, suffering, uh, rather, sin relates to, to, you know, suffering, sorry. Let me start again. Suffering relates to (laughs) sick. Too many S's in this sermon. How suffering relates to personal sin. Because that is rejected through scripture, from the, from Job, from the very passage about Jesus in the suffering servant, which is clearly not talking about his sin, but rather ours. And then Jesus himself, when he was asked, was this man's blindness due to his sin or his parents' sin? Jesus rejects that. There is no denial in Scripture of the reality of sin, but there is strong denial of any linear link between sin and sickness and suffering. The other thing to challenge is how uh, suffering and sickness relate to our standing with God. James was talking to scattered believers. And there's a danger of some kind of despair in the face of suffering. That somehow feel that God has abandoned you. But God can use it for good. And that's one of the messages in the early part of James' letter. It does not mean that you're outside God's will it does not mean that he has abandoned you. The other danger I think I detect in James is that if someone is not apparently suffering, not apparently sick, there is always a danger of being proud. And many of the sins that James outlines are geared to pride, to actually thinking better of yourself than you should. So with that context, I'm going to come back 
to the, this key verse. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So the first one, confess your sins to one another. Our son Andy is in a church in Leeds, a young church. And they have account, accountability relationships. And one of the things they were encouraged to do, which I've never had experience in the churches I've been in, is actually within that context to confess to one another in order to help one another in your walk with God. Now, I've never experienced that. You may. You may even do it here. But confessing your sins is something that is awfully exposing, awfully uncomfortable. And yet here, James links it. When Tat and I were working in Nepal, we went to a church in Kathmandu and a lovely godly pastor, Rajendarongong. We went to this church in Kathmandu and at the service, a young, a young couple were, had, had confessed to the pastor that they'd been sleeping together before marriage. And at this service, they came out and knelt at the front and confessed their sin before the whole church family. As Westerners, as we were really quite shocked by this. Regenda, a lovely man of God, he then, he heard them through, the whole church heard them, And he said, these two have confessed their sin. We are all sinners. And he walked away from the microphone, went to them, to each one, and lifted each one up and said, God has forgiven you. God has forgiven you. And then he was the person who gave them communion when he came to communion. Now that's culturally right for Nepali churches frightens me in UK churches but perhaps they've got it right we need to confess there's a danger because there's no separation sometimes if we're praying someone's got problems I will pray for you sister I'll pray for you brother but we've got to be very careful there's no separation before God between those who are praying for and those who are being prayed for this confession however it's done whether, however it's done it's an acknowledgement that there is nothing this is a two way that there are no experts when it comes to praying for one another we are all sin sick we all need forgiveness and some And hence, it's a mutual two-way. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for another. Now, prayer, our pastor down at Whitcomb, he made this very memorable. He said, prayer is a mystery. And a mystery is not something, it's something revealed, not something reasoned. I don't know how prayer works. I don't know why. God knows everything already. God doesn't need me. I don't understand prayer. 
But God has revealed and commanded prayer. Therefore, I'm very happy to do it. But I don't understand. If anyone understands just exactly how prayer works, please explain to me afterwards. One, God already knows. The other thing is, I've always, I struggle with this, I confess. The psalmist said, you know, when I look at the heavens, what is man that you care? If any of you have a day off, you want to go on a Somerset space walk. Anyone heard of the Somerset space walk? Anyone? There's a place on a canal down in Somerset where these enthusiasts built a scale model of the sun. So it's about eight foot tall, model of the sun. Big, big yellow ball. And then from that central point, going both directions along the canal, they've built scale model, a scale model of the solar system. So you leave this eight foot sun, you walk for about 300 yards, and you find Mercury about the size of a large chickpea. Then you walk a bit further and you find Venus slightly larger. A few more hundred yards, hundred yards. And then you pass Mars and then you walk and you forget you're on a spacewalk and you finally get this cannonball which is Jupiter. What is man that you care for him? The son of man. Prayer is, it is not reasonable, but prayer is truly a mystery and a revelation and something to take hold of. Then so you may be healed. Neither here nor anywhere else is any doubt that prayer is answered. But Jesus prayed in the garden, but then submitted to God. Paul prayed for the removal of the thorn in the flesh, his pride controlling thorn in the flesh. And it was not answered. Not in the way he wanted. We have a, a co-leader down in Whitcomb, Whitcomb Baptist Church, I should say. Got to be careful about this. Ross Evans. And he prayed once, very memorably, thank you, Lord, for prayers answered and prayers heard. They will be answered. But often, the result we may anticipate as the best solution is not the one that God thinks is best for us but that is a subject for another night which I'll leave to Tim with a sidestep worthy of yesterday's final so that just short context confess pray that you may be healed but healed in the way that God wants which is the best way for us now I'm a retired GP so what I want to do now just the last bit is move from principle to practice to share what I feel helps us in terms of praying for one another the first love if I do not have love I am nothing it's a very telling test because all of us have mixed motives there is always a danger of those in the health professions caring professions that 
we get a bit of a fix from caring for people. Victoria knows what I mean. It is, for, And we all can have these mixed motives. But we need to wrestle with those. Because love has to be the core, the starting place for praying for another, for getting alongside one another, for carrying one another's burdens. It has to start with love. Humility. Hopefully, being aware of our own uh, sin and sin sickness and our own suffering will help work against that natural tendency to pride. I sometimes go back to the seven deadly sins, just in case I've forgotten any. And the core one is pride. It seems to undergird every other one in that list. And humility is the counter. And it is not achieved with any ease. And it's an ongoing battle. But humility, we don't come. We've got to be alert, therefore, to judgmental attitudes. The feeling that we may have it right. Jesus told that very telling story of the unforgiving servant. We must be humble. Confidentiality. This is a GP obsession. You know, I don't know if you've experienced it in Christian circles, where something which is shared is passed on for prayer, prayer concern. And I feel that we need to be very much um, very cautious, very respectful, almost obsession about confidentiality if we're going to help one another. People will understandably not, not be free to share and therefore to enter the mutual prayer relationship if they do not have trust that that which they share will be dealt with respectfully and confidentially. Listening. There is a telling statistic, and we GPs reckon we're good at this, but telling statistic that says that GPs interrupt their patients on average every 18 seconds. And we think we're good at it. Listening. Wait. Give people space. Don't dive in. When you think you've listened enough, listen some more. And also on that, allow the, someone, the person you're... you're, you're this, remember, this is in the context of a loving, supporting them to help someone and be alongside. But let the person decide how much to share. Someone this afternoon told me, can you pray for our son? He's got real problems. And I waited, and she didn't share anything else. I didn't ask. She had made her decision. Promise keeping. Sister, I'll pray for you. Just over a week ago, a friend from Whitcomb Baptist Church came to me and said, Alan, thank you so much for praying. I felt awful. 
because I hadn't prayed. I said I would, but I hadn't. If we're going to make a promise, let's keep that promise. And then follow up. When you next see the person, you know, how are you? You And one thing I do, especially if I'm in any kind of public setting where it's difficult to speak, I got this little thing, you know, analog scales. How's the last week been on a scale of naught to ten? It's quite handy, and the person can say six, two, nine. And it's quite handy. Just it's a way of demonstrating that you've listened, that you've cared, that you've remembered. But it's not obliging anyone to say more than they need to. Now I mentioned those those principles, going from principle to practice, because we, God knows, yes, we only need to know as much as the person wants to share. And similarly, when, the, when it's the other way around, we want to be treated by someone who is showing love, humility, confidentiality, because this, as I said, is a two-way thing. There are no experts. There are phases in life when we are on when we are ministering more to others and facing life when we will be ministered to. So these principles hold. So let's, I suggest, remember them. So, we started with pray for one another. And we should have got to the last slide. Get your nod from Andrew. Praying for another is a privilege. Praying for another is a necessity. For our walk, for our work, for our witness, yes. At a church level, I think we are down the hill, Whitcomb Baptist Church, have been actually quite, I think um, we've had a very good example from up here at St. Matt's. I think you've prayed for us much more consistently than we've prayed for you, which is not something I admit with pride. It was lovely when Melissa, Clover's wife, was having her surgery, how you here prayed for her. That is a, that at the church level is expressing the praying for another. At an individual level as well, we're aware of the prayers of brothers and sisters. And let us enter those mutual relationships in order to support And if we do so, it is part, as I started with the first practice, it is a demonstration of the love that should exist within the church family. And on December the 6th, I understand, look at your timetable, as well as baptism, you're also looking at love one another so that the world will know that you are my disciple. I'd like to briefly close in prayer, leave those thoughts with you. God bless you all. Let's pray. Our Father, we come to you not understanding the mystery of prayer, but grateful for the reality of prayer. 
We thank you that we have one interceding for us who has, who has suffered, yes, in our place. Who has borne sin, which was our sin. And who now intercedes and prays for us. And you have given us one another to minister to one another, to support. And we pray indeed that you will help us to be those who truly care, those who truly serve, those who build one another up, those who are ever being better equipped to serve you and to make you known. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Great to hear um, the tenderness with which Alan's spoken to us tonight and, uh, and for your humility in that. So thank you, Alan. And I just sensed as, as he was speaking that there may be a way that we want to respond and we can do that individually where we are. Or you may want to talk to someone. And uh, we have a prayer team who are happy to pray with you uh, as we kind of draw to a close in a few moments. We're going to worship a little just in closing, just to give our hearts to God. I was struck when um, Alan was talking about confessing. There's something about confessing which kind of helps remove those blocks, sin of all sorts, wounds that others have done to us or uh, recognition of our own failings. creates a wall, doesn't it, a barrier between us and other people and us and God. And there's something about confessing that just begins to take those bricks out, begins to allow God's Spirit to break through that wall. And then our hearts get softened and the Spirit of God begins to move and we become opened up and in that healing comes. And sometimes it's physical, but often it's emotional or mental or that sense of shame that's been weighing us down or a weight of guilt or just a pain or a brokenness or wounds gets healed. And we experience spiritual healing as well. And maybe you feel in need of that. As we were praying uh, before the service out there and then came back here and John had a, had a word about, I'd been praying about family, sense that God wanted to do something about family, he wanted to speak about family tonight. And then as we came in here, John said, I just sense God maybe is wanting to say something about family to people. We need to be listening to those moments where God is speaking because maybe some of you here have come tonight with a sense of feeling disconnected from family. Maybe that's your actual family or maybe it's church family. And my sense is maybe God wants to draw you into family fellowship. And whether that means us as church here or just the wider church, it may be helpful to pray with someone or chat with someone about that. As we kind of go into a moment of worship, I'm going to invite some of the prayer team. They're going to kind of go over the side at the back here. And if you would like someone to pray with you and you feel safe enough to do that, you can go and do that. Uh, as Alan has helpfully said, they're not going to ask you lots of questions. They're just simply there to listen and to be family for you. And you can say as little or as much as you want, but they will pray for you and with you and ask God's blessing and God's encouragement. So if that's helpful, please do that. We also have small groups where obviously that's a good place to do that, and I know many of you are in prayer triplets and accountability groups. But I would encourage you to find someone you love and trust. Find a family member, a church member, and draw close to them, pray with them. Let God's Spirit move in your own heart.